Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Today I'm going to be reading to you from my book, The Pesky Kids, The Mystery of the Squashed Cockroach. Here we go. Chapter 2, What's in a Name? You just blew up our house, wailed Finn. Correct, said Professor Maynard, turning to smile at the three children on the back seat. Although technically the house belonged to the agency, so I was just blowing up our own property. But the stuff inside the house was ours, said April. You could tell she was in shock, partly because she was shaking and her lips were starting to turn blue, but also because she hadn't attacked Professor Maynard yet, which would have been her normal reaction to someone destroying all but a suitcase worth of her things. I know, said Professor Maynard, in the tone of voice of someone trying to be kind when they're not naturally good at it. But you have to try and focus on the positive side. You're not dead! You have a very low benchmark for positive, stammered Joe. He was in shock too. Being a teenage boy, Joe was terrible at dealing with emotions. There is something about hormones that makes emotions go crazy for most young people between the ages of 14 and 19. He wasn't sure what to be the most upset about, the fact that his mother was in a foreign prison or the fact that the olives he'd been about to eat were now a smouldering pile of ash. Where are you taking us? asked Finn. Not the prison where they're holding mum, asked April. Oh, heavens no, chuckled Professor Maynard. I'm taking you to your father's house. What? exclaimed all three children. Your dad, said Professor Maynard, just in case the three children didn't know what the word father meant. That would be odd because two out of three of them had done incredibly well on the IQ tests the agency had secretly performed on them by posing as student teachers and infiltrating their preschool. Only April hadn't because at the age of four she'd refused to do the test, saying tests were patriarchal. But why would we visit him? asked Finn. We haven't seen him in years, said Joe. We've never seen him, said April, indicating herself and Finn. Their father had left shortly after her birth, a fact that may go a long way towards explaining April's hostility to male authority figures. We don't want to go and stay with that deadbeat, said Finn, starting to get angry. When your house has just been blown up, it's easy to get worked up quickly. He's never wanted anything to do with us. He's always been too busy winning the Chelsea Flower Show and travelling the world, searching for new and exotic plants. We don't want anything to do with him. Besides, isn't he in Papua New Guinea, said Joe, collecting samples of some rare carnivorous orchid? I thought it was a dahlia, said April. Mum told me it was a tree fern, said Finn. Yes, your mum is very convincing, isn't she, said Professor Maynard proudly. She always performs off the charts in her lying tests. You test lying, asked April. 
Oh, yes, it's an essential skill for a secret agent to be able to lie uphill and down dale. She chuckled again. She once lied her way into Tehran's Secret Service headquarters by telling the guard she dropped a contact lens in the bathroom. He spent quarter of an hour on his hands and knees helping her look for it. All the while, she was downloading data from their mainframe using a scanner she'd hidden in her handbag. Professor Maynard sighed happily at the memory. Ah, she doesn't even wear contacts. So where is Dad? asked Joe. He was the only one who had any lingering regard for their father because he was the only one who could remember him. In hiding, said Professor Maynard. For the first eight years of their marriage, your father was entirely convinced that your mother really was a dedicated paleontologist. He was as happily married as any man who would secretly prefer to sit around in his underwear can be. Then what happened? asked April. Well, he went out to dinner with your mother, said Professor Maynard. It was a big deal for them. With three young children, they rarely ate out. Regrettably, a terrorist from Interpol's top ten most wanted list sat down at the next table. Obviously, your mother was duty-bound to follow the reprobate to the bathroom, choke him out with his own necktie, and call in a military helicopter to extract him from the roof of the building. And Dad saw the whole thing, asked Finn. No, actually, said Professor Maynard. Your father is such a passionately dedicated horticulturalist that his ability to not notice things is off the charts. You secretly tested that too, didn't you? asked April. Oh, yes, said Professor Maynard. It's probably why he and your mother had such a happy marriage. He never noticed anything she was up to. The only problem on this occasion was that the restaurant served particularly delicious iced tea. Your father had drunk three glasses of it, and having a healthy urinary system, he needed to use the restroom at precisely the same moment your mother was dragging the terrorist up the stairs by his feet. What did Dad do? asked Joe. He started to hyperventilate, said Professor Maynard, which was probably for the best because he passed out, giving your mother time to get the terrorist into the waiting helicopter. But just as she was coming down the stairs to get your father out of the restaurant, the other members of the terrorist cell arrived. Oh dear, said Finn. Precisely, said Professor Maynard. Your mother is excellent at knife fighting, so she was never in any real danger. But I think the brutal way in which she broke the noses, collarbones and kneecaps of her assailants scared the living daylights out of your dad. One of the terrorists got away before your mother could subdue him and your father's identity was compromised. What does that mean? asked Joe. We had to hide your dad for his own good, said Professor Maynard. He was scared of your mother too. She turned to Finn. You know how you totally freak out about spiders? How do you know I hate spiders, asked Finn. Oh, we know everything about you, laughed Professor Maynard. You'd be amazed at the nooks and crannies we've stuck secret cameras into just so we can keep an eye on you. Anywho, the way you feel about a big hairy spider is the same way your father feels about your mother. He screams and tries to run away, asked Joe. Pretty much, said Professor Maynard, but usually his legs go to jelly so he doesn't get far. So you're sending us to stay with him, asked April incredulously. That's right, said Professor Maynard. It's the safest place for you, now that your identities have been compromised. What do you mean our identities have been compromised, asked Joe. We don't know what your mother has been forced to tell the collective, said Professor Maynard. You just said she was off the charts at lying, said Finn. Yes, but they know that too, said Professor Maynard. They figured out her identity from her cover ID. That's how they found out about your house. It's only a matter of time before they discover she has three children, and they want to get hold of you to use as a leverage against her. What's mum been doing? asked April. 
You don't want to know, said Professor Maynard. I wish I didn't know, and it's my job to know everything. I'm finding this hard to follow, said Joe. Don't worry, said Professor Maynard. It's pretty simple, really. You're going to go and live with your dad. He lives in a lovely country town called Currawong. You're kidding me, said Finn. That's the name of a place? It's a delightful town, said Professor Maynard. We've enrolled you in the local school. It'll be splendid, like a holiday. The only thing is, you've got to totally forget your surname was ever Banfield. You're getting a new name. What's it going to be now, asked Finn. Pesky, said Professor Maynard. Yes, I'm sure it's irritating, said April, but what's our new name? No, Pesky is your new name, said Professor Maynard. P-E-S-K-I. With an I, you see, not a Y. It was actually your father's maiden name before he got married. His family changed it from Prashinsky after they emigrated from Poland when he was a baby. Wait, said Joe, how can he have a maiden name? I thought women had maiden names. Well, that's not very progressive of you, is it? said Professor Maynard. Why should it always be the woman who changes her name when she gets married? Because it is, said Finn. Yes, well, in this case, your father agreed to change his name to your mother's name, said Professor Maynard. Although, of course, Banfield isn't really her name either. Professor Maynard laughed at the irony of this. It's not, said April. This, more than anything that had happened in the last 20 minutes, made her want to punch something. It was one thing to have to change your name for security reasons, but it was another to find out your name had always been made up for security reasons. Oh, yes. She just came up with that one off the top of her head, said Professor Maynard, reminiscing. Probably because she was putting on a band-aid while looking at a field at the time. So we've got to start our lives over in a new house, at a new school, with a dad we don't know, and our name is going to be Pesky, said April. You do realise that everyone at school is going to tease us, calling us the Pesky Kids. Don't worry, said Professor Maynard. The collective is after you. Having a silly name is the least of your troubles. The end. Okay, that's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.